Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sane, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. You know what? This life of ours has gone absolutely. I don't know if we're on the uh, what do you call it on the um, the upside down <laughs> from Stranger Things. I feel like we're living in the upside down right now, and we have been dealing with hunger, unemployment, sickness, racial injustice. Um, And not only that, there are a ton of our sisters who are out there dealing with domestic violence during this time. So today's guest, uh, Ms. Paula Hughes, is going to really shine a light on that. But before you get to hear from her, and she is a counselor, a professional counselor who does this for a living. So I wanted to bring somebody on the show who could really speak to that. But, you know, I want to know, have you subscribed to the show? Have you reviewed the show? Have you shared it with someone who you know a certain episode would resonate with? I am a realistic woman because I am out here living just like you. And I have podcasts I love, but I don't listen to every episode. You know why? Because life happens. So I'm not asking you that. My expectations are so real. I'm saying take two seconds and go ahead and rate and review. Review and rate. You have to do them at the same time, y'all. I got tons of ratings, but we need some words out there in iTunes, okay? So I'm charging y'all. Give me one good sentence. I will shout you out because that is how we grow. And iTunes, believe it or not, is the world for podcasting. That's pretty much the standard. So I need your support, ladies. I'm, I'm asking you to help help us out, help us grow, and help us get this great content out there to women who need it and to people who need it. So back to our current status, right? Right now, I don't know when you're listening to this, but right now in the world, we are in pain. We are hurting. We are growing. And I'm happy to have Paula Hughes, who is a domestic abuse counselor and founder of Directing Paths. She is a woman who is out here doing her part to help us heal, heal traumas. So welcome to the show, Miss Paula Hughes. Hello, Paula. It's great to be here. Oh, it's so great to have you. So I want to dive right in and just tell us about Directing Paths because we need to know where to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, just a bit of background about me. So I have done this work for quite a few years, at least, gosh, 10. Uh, the past three have been uh, directly with the Army. I counsel victims of domestic abuse, sexual abuse, um, sexual trauma. And when I was doing that work, it was very hard for me to connect because numbers matter, right? So when you're working for the the bigger entities, you're kind of in and out, even though the issues are so personal. So what I did was when my family relocated from Hawaii, I decided I wanted to do this work for myself. And I, and I knew when I did it for myself that I could help in the way that I wanted to help and that in ways that I knew were best. So Directing Paths LLC is an organization that helps individuals heal from past trauma, being familial, um, relationship, even workplace trauma. And I focus on helping you to heal in hindsight. So you recognize an issue has happened. You're outside of that issue now, but what happens? How do you move forward in that purpose? And I'm 
convinced that when you follow that purpose and operate in alignment, that healing comes naturally and the results are amazing. So that is a platform that I have created and that I am very happy to uh, to stand on. You know, I've noticed, and maybe it's always been there. Maybe it's just resonated more because people are speaking, especially, uh, I'm going to say Black people that I see. I'm not just going to say people of color because I feel like right now that term is being overused and I'm, and I'm mm-hmm. about to blow a gas. But <laughs> I think... <laughs> I'm just, hey, this is, we're, we are going to have real conversations here, but I, I am happy that we are calling these things traumas. Yes. Because I feel oftentimes in the past, I, I grew up, I know a lot of people have experienced sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have experienced domestic abuse and oftentimes it's a stigma and it's, a, it, people are afraid because they're family members. A lot of times, let's be real. And we don't talk because it's an uncle, it's a cousin. And did he really right. mean it? You know, right. did she really mean it? Because and you don't want around your children. Right. right. You're right. right. And so when I hear the word trauma, mm-hmm. it evokes something, a different emotion in me. Mm. It, it lets me know that it is something deep rooted. It is something that, that is not going to be healed overnight. And see, abuse, I think, as a culture, we know so many people have been abused who've compartmentalized it. It's like, but she's good now. No, she's right. not. No, he's You're not. not it is a trauma, which means yeah. when you think trauma, you think emergency, you think uh, critical condition, you think life support, you think all these things. And I think when we attach that to mental health, it changes it. So yeah. I'd, I'd love to know your perspective on trauma and, and, and how I, I'm going to go real deep because I know that there, like I just said, I know so many people. Mm-hmm. How do we approach it? And I, I'm not saying that we're trying to get people to just sit around and talk about it all the time, but how do we give forgiveness to certain actions? Because it's a trauma. So people are dealing with this trauma daily. How do we give some forgiveness and give some leniency? So so that's actually a very loaded question because when a person experiences trauma, they haven't forgiven themselves for being victim of trauma, right? So you're you're dealing with what did I do to even allow that to happen? You're further re-victimizing yourself. So before we can even get to that point of forgiving forgiving the abuser, we have to forgive ourselves and figure out how can we move past this first. Now I want to talk about forgiveness too, okay? Because so often we're told that we have to forgive to heal. Right. So we're told we have to forgive to heal, but that burden is also on us. So the burden is on us to to deal with this trauma, to deal with this pain, their emotional, psychological, physical responses that happen to you when you have been exposed to trauma. You know, think military. There is this PTSD that comes with that trauma as well. So while you're dealing with how do I get past my healing process, you're also being charged to then turn around and forgive that abuser. Now, that's something that is very, I I even say that it's up to, and I call you survivors, it's up to that survivor to determine if they even want to do that. I don't think that that plays a a role in the the healing process. That's my opinion. Um, Because I think that there's there's an angst that comes with the thought that, okay, so once I get past this, I also have to forgive that person. Hmm. That's pressure. That's powerful. You don't look at it that way. So... I think that there's power in saying, I acknowledge what happened. I acknowledge that you did this to me and I'm not at the point of forgiveness. And I don't know when I'm going to be at that point. And that's okay. We don't need to focus about when we're going to forgive. We need to focus on how we can progress and move forward 
from what has happened to us without our permission. Mm, forgiveness may come or forgiveness may not come, but what happens if it never comes? Mm. That's what we need to focus on. You know what? That's so powerful right now. Mm-hmm. And, and because when you think about some of these deep rooted and we've been talking about it in society, a lot of generational um, embedded issues yes. and to put the pressure and I never realized it until you just said it. Society puts a pressure on this for that. Like in order to truly be happy, one must forgive and move forward. Forgive. Oh, gosh. Right? And you never say that you must truly acknowledge the hurt you've done and make sure that person forgives you to move forward from the victimization that you brought about. We don't do that to them. No. We don't even talk about them. It's, an, it's, an, it's a hidden thing. And so often in our community, um, and I know I've gotten in trouble with this before, but I'm okay. I'm pretty bold. <laughs> Be bold, <laughs> please. I'm going to do that to you as well. I've had my own. But um, there have been times I've gone to church leaders and expressed this member is experiencing this, or I'm a member and I'm experiencing this. And I was told to pray it through, to pray about it, forgive, forgive, forgive. And it's almost a pacifier here. Forgive. Oh, well, since we're talking, we don't want to talk about that. You know, we don't want to. Okay, let's go. So when you said that, I just thought there's a difference between forgiveness and surrender. Mm. And I think, that's a bridge, right? Because I can surrender my pain to God, to the, to the almighty, to whomever you're calling the universe. I can surrender carrying that around, but that doesn't mean I have to say, because forgiveness, let's be real. Forgiveness sometimes means I can be in your presence. It means that I, you know, I'm seeing you in a different light. No, you're surrendering so that you can function. You're surrendering, carrying that around every day so that you can be the best you. And that doesn't mean you're not dealing with it, right? That just means you are no longer letting it define whom you are or your journey on this earth. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times in church, um, we don't want to talk about that because some of our abusers are in the church. Some. So if we talk about, I'm being nice, right? (laughs) So if we talk about, (laughs) if we really get deep into that, then we're uncovering your uncle. We're uncovering the um the elder the minister we don't want to do that because there are layers to this it doesn't exist in a vacuum and there are people protecting the abusers and telling us to forgive that's why i don't push when i have my consultations i don't push it hmm. that's not something we need to focus on immediately hmm. thank god for you <laughs> no seriously um this is a this is a very delicate subject and you know we laugh to keep from crying sometimes. Absolutely. But we're in trouble as a people. As a as, when I say people, I mean the world. Anybody yeah. with a beating heart. Yeah. Um the abuse doesn't discriminate. Um and right now we're in a pandemic, you know, and like I said, I, I want to know, I want I know you guys don't know, you know what we're yeah. going through, but when you listen to this, it will be sometime from now. But I wanna I don't want us to forget all the great things that have come from the closeness and the, the alone time and the, the things that we're needing to progress. But at the same time, there are people right now who are forced to stay in with someone who may be abusing them because they don't have anywhere else to go. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, what are some signs? Because this could be post. What are some things that we should look at? Because most people are going to forgive, right? Oh, he hit me once. She hit me once. She whatever. Mm-hmm. This happened once. They've said, I'm sorry. Uh, but let's talk about some signs we should be looking for as family members, as friends. What should we be aware of? One of the biggest things you should be aware of is isolation. So COVID is a great mask of that, right? Because we're socially distancing. But if you are not able to, if you're calling a family member and suddenly when that other person, that spouse, significant other is around, they have to get off the phone. It could be, let me hurry up and get off and and cook this meal. Let me take care of the kids. If you're noticing that they're not really available when that person is in the room, a red flag should start to go off. And it's not to say that you can't be unavailable when your spouse is home. But if you have a gut feeling that, why is it that every time such and such is in the room, she has to get off the phone? Something to look out for, because that isolation is key in in abuse. Um, Another thing is if a person likes to ask a lot of hypotheticals. So there are people who are being abused, but they don't want to come out and say, my husband is abusing me. My wife is abusing me. They might say, um, so when you have your arguments with your spouse, what do you guys, how do you handle that? What happens? Pay attention to the questions because so often victims of abuse have been asking for help in very subtle ways. So if there's a lot of arguments that are happening, it's normal, it's a normal environment because this environment is creating uh, a place for that anxiety and that angst because we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. But if this person is, is, if you're noticing both of those together, you can't talk when they're there. And then when you are talking about them, you're trying to ask about how to deal with them. Pay attention to that. Ask how they're doing. Ask if they're okay. Because when you're in the situation, you're trying to get out, but you're also trying to normalize it. So it's very hard to notice the red flags if you're not physically in their space. So those are the two things I would, I would mainly say to look out for during this time. What is the, the safe way and the loving way to approach concern? The safe way and the loving way is to ask, how are you feeling? How are you doing at home? How are things between the two of you? And give them that chance to answer. When they feel safe, you don't have to do a lot of prodding. When they start to feel safe and not judged, they will come forward and they will start giving you information. A lot of times people are hesitant to come forward with information because they don't want to be judged. You don't want to hear, well, you know, I never liked them. See, well, why why do you put up with that? See, if it was me, I wouldn't. All that kind of stuff. Mm. When things start to happen, I'm not going to tell you when I have a problem. I'm not going to tell you right. when I have an issue. In fact, I'm just going to stay because the embarrassment of leaving is not worth the pain of staying. And you don't want them to be in that space. So just ask, just have a regular conversation. How are you doing? How are things? It'll come up when they start to feel safe. Wow. So just shut up and listen. Just listen. <laughs> if you ask a person who has left an abusive situation why they stayed, a lot of times it's because, um, well, I didn't want... I didn't, I didn't know how people would take it if they knew that I, w- I was divorcing or um, I was embarrassed or I didn't want you to say I told you so. A lot of times they're so worried about what the outside perceives of them that they stay. So we want to create a safe space for them to share. That's what really matters. More Brunch and Slay after this. When it comes to companies that I partner with, I'm intentional. I want to work with people and brands that have a heartbeat within their mission. Faraday has that. It's a brand fueled by purpose and optimism, which is 
very important to me. It's a family-run business making high-quality, sustainability-minded, feel-good fashions that I'm proud to wear. I wear them because of all the reasons I mentioned. They're built to last a lifetime and, I mean, they look good, which is important. I mean, how can I brunch and slay without the proper fashion? So, I'm happy to share my appreciation for all things Faraday with you. Right now, you can get 25% off of anything you purchase by listing and using the code BRUNCHSLAY. So head over to FaradayBrands.com forward slash brunch and slay. That's Faraday, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y, brands, B-R-A-N-D-S.com forward slash brunch and slay. Thank me later. So we we often stay in tons of situations from working in different roles to uh, friendships. It's all about perception, right? right? And I think that that's a huge problem we need to rectify, right? We mm-hmm. need to be less worried about what will the people say, because in my opinion, I, and it could be because I've walked, you know, I've had a couple of trips around the sun at this point. So age has shown me that this is a, this journey is so finite and it's yours. And so we really have to worry about what we want to achieve in this journey. And we can't be concerned with anybody else's, you know, agenda or Mm -hmm. how they feel we should live. Meaning, and I say this for a lot of things, like a lot of people, you want to quit that job, but you're worried about your parents being mad because they help you pay for school or, or you're worried about these different things, but you don't want to leave here saying, I wish, or I should have, or what if, um, so how do we gain that power back and really empower people to say, so what, starting over, that's the whole point of this. Like each level is a new beginning. Yes. Right? And right. and there's no shame in going from your big five-bedroom house to a one-bedroom apartment if you have peace. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do we let people know that that's okay and that we're not judging you? I'm I'm more judging you for allowing somebody, and this is me being, and this is going to come off ugly, and I'm not meaning that. I think the the human in you is judging, like, how could you let somebody hurt you so bad? Mm-hmm. You know, be so quiet about it rather than just say, girl, it wasn't working. And mm-hmm. I think that we have to be okay with, if someone leaves somebody, it's not our business as to why. They right. shouldn't have to explain why they left because in some instances they have children and they're trying to protect mm-hmm. their children. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't want to speak ill against your child's parent. And we should just be supportive. If it wasn't working, just say, what do you need? Are you OK? Right. 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 No, you're absolutely right. And you know what, Amira, we, we think about abuse and trauma and relationships. So often there was an original abuser. So when we got into that relationship prior to being in that, there might have been an instance in our childhood or upbringing that created that atmosphere to be comfortable in that environment. So it's hard for that person sometimes to go to the mother, to their father, to their sibling, because they might've been part of their abuse growing up. So what I like to tell people is when you think of a person who you can share your innermost thoughts with, who comes to mind? And that's a person you need to surround yourself with. Because people, when they you know, if I'm like, hey, you know, mom, I'm going through a divorce. Yep, I have a kid. And, you know, I, I know it's going to be difficult. I'm going to be a single parent. If my mom might have, you know, played a role in an unhealthy upbringing, she might say, stay for the child. You don't want to break up that home. It's back on you now. You need to shut up and stay. Mm. 
you don't want what happened to me to happen to you. And now there's there's so much stuff going on because when you're being abused, you've already been taught that you're worthless. Your opinion doesn't matter. No one loves you. No one will ever believe you or trust you. So you're fighting those internal demons. And then you go to someone who should support you and uphold you. And they're telling you, no, stay. Don't be weak and leave. So it's really a matter of finding that strength and finding that discernment to know who you can trust. Because you only really need one person in your corner. If you have one person every day saying, Paula, you can do it. Paula, I pray for you today. Paula, you're, you're strong. Paula, you're capable. Over time, you'll start to believe that. So you can't, you honestly can't tell everyone because everyone is not going to support you. In fact, they can further abuse you. But I promise you, if you can sit and meditate even for three to five minutes on who, when you think of, gives you a positive feeling, that's that person who you're going to need in your corner when you're ready to leave. So I want to talk about something else that I know we all have dealt with. What about how do we support those friends who keep going back? Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> right? I mean, I want to have the real because we need tools, right? Yeah. We, can, we can talk about, we know the problem, we've identified it, but we've all had those people. And this might not even be abuse. It might be a cheater. Or it could be right. anything. The man won't work. It's like there's some abuse. <laughs> right. And you keep going back. And they keep willing you back in. There's a there's a grab. How do we support them? Because eventually you get to a point where you're like, don't call me anymore because yeah, I have yeah. poured into you. I have got up in the middle of the night to help you pack up this house seven times and you still going, keep going back. How do we check our ego and right. check our nerve, our, you know, our patience to still show up? Because I, I have had two people in my life murdered from domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Two. My, my. You know, and yeah. the first one, I didn't know. The second one, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't find out until I saw it on the news. Wow. Wow. And you know what? That is that is very, very hard because when you truly love and care about someone, you want them safe. But the average victim takes five to seven times to leave before they actually leave. And then when they do decide to leave, that's the most dangerous time for them. So there are so many factors at play for why they stay, why they keep going back, that trauma bonding, that manipulation. Um, There's actually a chemical, there's something chemically happening when that abuser abuses you, but then gives you breadcrumbs. You become addicted to it. You become addicted to the good times. And that's why they keep going back. But when you're that friend and you're trying to figure out how to support them, you, you literally have to sit down and say, listen, friend. You know, I love you. I'm here for you. I want you to be safe. What's happening isn't safe, but you can only leave when you're ready to leave. And when you're really ready to leave, you call me. Because unfortunately, you can't force a person to leave. And you have to radically accept that. You cannot force a person to leave. And I want to, you know, I, I believe you. I'm listening. Um, I know with the second one, I saw bruises mm-hmm. and they were covered up and she was very fair skinned. So I, I, I won't say fair. She was a lighter complexion and um, I didn't see her all the time. So when I saw it and she, she had, this person was in a position of power, a leader. This was not a, this is not fit what you think a person who's letting, who's, who's being beat. I won't say letting, who's allowed, who's been, you know, abused. Mm-hmm. She didn't fit anything I pictured in my mind. Right. Right. So, I mean, 
I want to say that because I want people to be aware that this is not the downtrodden. I'm so happy you said that because there it trauma abuse. They don't care how cute you are, how educated you are, how much money you have. You can be sitting up in the White House and still be a victim of abuse, right? It it affects all different ages, ethnicities, back every every person. The hardest part is being a friend of someone you know is being abused or being a family member of someone you know is being abused. That's I've been a, a friend and a family member and have been like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But they're not ready. They'll sneak out and go back. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's nothing you can, You they have to be ready to leave. And you as a supporter have to just give them that encouragement, let them know you're there for them. But as I used to tell a lot of my clients when I worked for the army, people report, you know, I know my friend's being abused. You know, I know this is happening. And I would always say there's nothing you can do other than to show your support. Because you can't drag them. You know, you can't. I know we would love to, but they have to be ready. Well, and I don't know why this keeps coming in my head right now. So I'm going to speak on it, even though I wasn't going to. I, I keep thinking about Chris Brown and Rihanna. Yes. And I'm taking it back there because one of the things you said earlier about experiencing things that make you think abuse is okay. That was a huge part of Chris's, Chris Brown's story was he watched his mother be abused for years. Mm -hmm. And that was the language he knew how to speak. Um, I never, when I saw that situation immediately, I'm on at the time I thought they're so young they're going to get back together. I knew they would get back together because we've all had that, that love when you're young and you always say that young and dumb, that stupid mm-hmm. phase. Everybody mm-hmm. goes through that stupid phase, whether it be high school and he's played you for another girl or whatever. Those that, that, once that heart is there, you know, and we all try to figure out, you know, what, what happened, it, it were, you know, were they an abusive, you know, and since then we've, it's come out that that obviously wasn't the first time they, they were going back and forth. And I look at that, and, you know, we see those pictures of, of the, unfortunately, they released those pictures of her and she still went back and, yeah. and then went back and then he was playing her for another girl, like all these different things. And I'm not bashing him because it seems like maybe he's healed. Maybe he's got the counseling. I haven't heard another abuse case. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm mm-hmm. not bashing either one of them. All I'm saying is this is a perfect example of someone who should not have been in that situation going back. It does not discriminate. Right. And. And now she's stronger than ever, you know, and because yeah. she got the help that she needed. And I want, I, I, this week I've been so enamored with how do we get the government to start investing in counseling for traumatized people who've been traumatized for generations. I think that's a huge step in the right direction. And I'd Absolutely. love to hear your thoughts on on that because you you said it several times on the show this is deep embedded this is something that is it's a trauma it's deep rooted so how do we rally the troops how do we get insurers to give more free sessions what do we need to do as a people to advocate for therapy right i think first it starts at the local level right so first we need to get rid of the stigma of um, counseling because a lot of especially a lot of African Americans, our culture, we don't even, I'm thinking of my mom and my family and things. We still see a counselor as someone trying to get up all in your business. So we have to get rid of that stigma first. And then once we start realizing that if you take care of your body, 
you go to a dentist. Why do you think your brain is not important? Why do you think that's not something to be of value? Once we realize how important it is, I said you speak to your, um, <clears throat> if, you, if you're in, at work, go to HR if they don't have something in place. Because a lot of jobs are starting to have wellness programs in place to focus on mental health, mindfulness, and things like that. Start at that level. Um, if you need to write letters to your Congress about maybe getting some funding for community programs so that you can have, because it can get expensive. So maybe even have some funding in place so that we can have our community centers also have not just tutoring services, but also counseling services and trauma management and things like that. We have to make it so normalized and not so much a reactive thing because you don't have to be downtrodden. You know, you don't have to be in a terrible situation to seek counseling. It should be an ongoing thing because it's something that is a necessity. I don't even think it's an option. I agree. I mean, Paula, the thing is, I feel that Black women, I'm going to use that because that's what I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we have gotten such a reputation for being so strong and so tough. And I have, my word for the month must be compartmentalized because I am realizing how much I even do it just to function, Mm -hmm. just to all the masks we're wearing, all the job titles we're handling already as being a woman, as a mother, as a friend, as a sister. And then the pain, we constantly just tuck it away, tuck it away, tuck it away. And it is exhausting. And we are carrying a burden that we were not meant to carry. So we need to even more so than ever band together, support each other, go to therapy. I have my own therapist. I have my own coach because for me, I'm hearing trauma all the time. So it's Mm. easy to pick that up. So we need to learn, even if it's a weekly thing, a biweekly thing, we have to learn how to release and how to let go because we are just collecting things and carrying things because we are trained to be strong and to support just in case if we move and get married or we get, you know, have a significant other that he needs help. It's like, we're taught to help them be prepared to help. So that needs to shift too, because when did we become equipped to handle this? Who told us that this is what we carry? And then we carry it because that's, that's what's normalized. It's even rewarded. I'm a strong woman. I don't need this. I got everything myself. And that's great to have all that. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, because that's amazing to do for yourself. But we are not existing in a vacuum. We need help. We need assistance. We need support. Who are we relying on? Hmm. What, so, what do they say? Check on your strong friends? Check on your strong friends. And it, I'm telling you, how many of us are, even for our own family members and parents, how many of us are their caregivers? You know, so you have children, you turn around and you're taking care of your grandmother, your mom. Why are we doing this? How can we unlearn this? We need to start stepping up and say, hey, I need help. Yeah, I got it going on. Yeah, I have a great place, car. What? Those are all material. That's great. But if your mental isn't good, it'll check you out early. We have to make it a priority. So I know you are doing your part and you have a group. Yes. And you have a program. Yes. You know, I I, there are people listening right now. You know, they feel like they maybe could talk to you. So mm-hmm. let us know about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I created a Facebook group. It's free. It's called Healing in Hindsight. And what we do is um, I put, I have different um, psychotherapists, psychologists I partner with. We'll do seminars, webinars, uh, support groups, all within that Facebook group. 
Um, I also have uh, www.directingpaths.com. So I do provide one-on-one coaching, group coaching. Um, I do TED Talk style seminars on uh, trauma, um, narcissistic personality disorder abuse, because that's that's even different from the typical domestic uh, abuse and trauma. And um, I also, on my website, I started creating uh, free webinars just for mindfulness activities, meditation, recentering. So all of that is I'm trying to create a one-stop shop for all the tools needed for you to have a successful journey and to actively heal, open yourself back up, get into alignment, watch your finances flow. I mean, all of this, when you're aligning with your purpose, it's amazing what will happen. So that's what I um, what I offer. I think it's so great that it's virtual because I think more people probably will embrace finding help and getting that extra the extra health right from mental yeah. exercising and speaking about it by being comfortable in your own home. Yeah, and I want us to embrace that as as a people, and I want us to listen to what you're saying. I'm listening because I know I've been the person to say what I would do is, mm-hmm. and what you need to do is in. I got to dial that back because I some of the things you said, I'm thinking about some people who've been asking me those hypotheticals and I'm worried now because I, I feel like I, I've seen things that, you know, it's like light bulbs started going off in my head. Listen, I was so disconnected with myself. I said that to someone else while I was being abused. So look at, you got to look at, we, we've become detached, desensitized. And I had to really, I, and I did, you know, got therapists and things like that. And I got the work that I needed to, to learn how to, acknowledge what's happening, you know, because how many of you have friends who might give you advice while they're doing the opposite? So uh, everybody, everybody, right? <laughs> it's like, well, my, yeah. my situation is different because I can control it. No, your situation is your situation. You need to set boundaries too. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, I encourage, I encourage, and I'm not just saying this because it's a business that I've created, but this is my passion. I've been doing this, um, since 2007, but always for another entity, a nonprofit and a, a government organization. So I'm excited to have been able to have the, the creative freedom to create my own programs um, based on the people I've worked with and what I've learned. So no, I'm very excited you. about it. We need you. I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm thankful. Um, you know, this is these are this is this is an ongoing conversation. There's so many levels to this. There's signs that we should, as parents, I'd love to have you back on and we talk about what we should see in our children because oh, yeah, there are, you know, high school. There's so many different levels to this, and I just want us to be armed and ready, yes. and be be open to. We are all human. Our world is our world because we're in it. That's the whole point. But there are things happening around us that we aren't paying attention to, and. If, you know, as my family, I've had plenty of times where I know someone got knocked up, you know, side of the head or things that happen and they go right back and no one talks about it. This Mm -hmm. guy still comes to the barbecue. We still play spades with them. They just fight. That's what they do. That's how they, that's That's how we show our Yeah. And that's why I'm so happy you brought up the children because my next webinar is going to be what your children see. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times we think we're staying for them and they grow up and say, mom, I didn't tell you to stay. Why'd you do it? Dad, why'd you stay? You know, so it's important when you think, oh, I'm doing this because they need to see two parents in the household. No, they need to be loved and they need that. They need healthy parents. So that, I mean, that's a great, that's so great. That's why so many people will stay as well. So I'm excited about that topic. Oh, Paula. So how can people follow you? 
Yes. So if you can go to www.directingpaths.com, you you can subscribe to my email list. Um, I also have an IG called soul underscore survivor underscore 20. Um, That's where I put a lot of just inspirational messages, quotes, tips on dealing with trauma, um, narcissistic abuse, um, and how to recognize red flags. So, and also Facebook healing in, in hindsight. Wait a minute. I thought you might want to know about what's happening next week. I realized that the, the, the grief journey, uh, one of the things that I talk about the most is that there is no correct way to grieve. There's no right or, or wrong way. And most people think when, you, when you're grieving, you're supposed to be just stuck in the house and all black, not talking, you know, just crying every day. And for me, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm, it's a, a way for me to keep going. You know, my husband, everyone who knew my husband knew him as just the, the life of the party. And every day he was just living his life. So whereas, you know, he was living with no regrets. And I know that he would not want me at home, sad, crying. And, you know, he told me something that stuck with me forever. And it was like, if something should ever happen to me, I want you to miss me, but let me go. Now, as you continue to pour into so many and continue to create resources for for people who need them, what vibes and prayers can we send your way to help you along your journey? Yes, I ask that you um, just send positive vibes, manifestation, um, affirmations, you know, because we we need, you know, we need that support too. We're we're pouring so often. So words of encouragement, if you just want to leave me a note, you know, you're doing a great job. I, I heard what you said, whatever. Um, just positivity. That's what feeds mm-hmm. me. Well, you got it. You got it. And and thank you so much for sharing this and sharing of yourself and giving us some things that to think about and to apply. Thank you for doing what you do and answering the call. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Now, if you got something out of this show, if you value the content that you just heard, I'm going to ask that you share it on whatever social media platform that you love. Tag us so that I can properly thank you. And if you just want to share it privately, you know, you can text this episode. You can you can share them over, you know, via text messaging. And, and no matter what, I want you to remember that, you know, what Paula is, Paula is doing is finding her skills that she can help that she can use to help others. And you have skills that you can use to help others. So just remember that if she can, I can, we all can. This is Brunch and Science.